You know, that song is a prayer. Yes, I will. And uh, I hope that it is our prayer. It's easy to sing the words. It's harder to, to walk the promise of, that, of those words. And I love that in that song, it's not talking about, yes, I will do all of these things for God. It's saying, yes, I will trust God with all the things that I can't control anyway. And um, I, I hope that is our prayer. Uh, well, turn your Bibles with me this morning to Matthew chapter 5. This uh, is going to actually wrap up the first of several series that we will do through the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to hit Matthew 5, and then we'll, we'll be in some other uh, passages, and then we'll be back in Matthew 5 again. And so you'll, you'll kind of, or not just Matthew 5, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Um, as we kind of work through the Sermon on the Mount. And so this, this first series is specifically focusing on the Beatitudes. So uh, just like we did last week uh, with Laz, um, let's, let's uh, go ahead and read this uh, entire passage, um, not the whole Sermon on the Mount, um, but uh, this one here from chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Side note, when the rabbi sits down, that means he's getting ready to teach. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you, and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. May God bless the reading of his word. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we look to your word this morning and contemplate this question, uh, what if Jesus was serious? God, we, we're gathered here to study your word, and so, of course, we, we believe it. And so, of course, we do believe that Jesus was serious when he said these things, but, God, we pause to contemplate what these things actually mean. Mm. It paints the life of a disciple in a different light. God, as we count the cost of following you, we must also count the rewards of following you. And it is clear that you measure success in your kingdom by a different metric than we do here in this one. And so God, I pray that your word would, would cut into our hearts this morning. I pray that the clarity of your gospel would shine through shine well through anything that I say 
that could muddy that. God, thank you for being merciful to me, a sinner. I have no other grounds on which to approach your throne. But but that Jesus gave his life for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, happy Mother's Day. Uh, we, uh, we, we, don't, we don't always try to tailor what we're going to preach on. We plan what we're going to preach on like a year in advance. Actually, we plan about a year and a half, and then we revisit it before that's over just in case we kind of change directions on some things. But uh, we, uh, the pastors at Neighborhood Church, we all get together. We spend a weekend or a, a few days in January or February and then map out 18 months' worth of, of messages. And, uh, and we, don't, we really try to um, pay more attention to what we feel like God is leading us to teach our congregations more than uh, what greeting card holidays on the calendar, certain, <laughs> certain uh, uh, weeks. That said, that is why we used um, what the passage that is known as the Magnificat uh, for our scripture reading this morning. If you, if you caught that from Luke chapter 1, it is the song of, or, or it's also known as the, the Canticle of Mary. It's, 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 it's written like a, it's like a psalm. There's a, the spirit of God speaking through Mary, and it's just the, the praise that she had for God, for the, the incredible blessing shown to her. Um, and I'm not trying to get all Catholic on us, but, um, but it is clear in Scripture that God showed great favor on Mary by choosing her to carry the Son of God. That's sort of a big deal. So um, in the spirit of Mother's Day, um, what an incredible, what an incredible uh, passage of Scripture that was. Um, but anyway, but as we can as we continue our series here and and go through Matthew uh, chapter five, we want to reflect on the on the beatitudes. And so as we, as we look at these, um, I, I wanted to I wanted to read. It's a little long, and I, I I try not to do this very often, where I have a bunch of really long block quotes. Um, this is a, a, um, a kind of the, this is the condensed version from Matthew Henry's commentary. On Matthew chapter five, and I want to I want to set up as we as we close this. I, I kind of want to wrap it up with um, with his comments here that I feel are are very helpful. He says, "Our Savior here gives eight characters of blessed people, which represent to us the principal graces of a Christian. The poor in spirit." Are blessed. He also says happy. If you if you look in, in some of the older translations, maybe the King James, it says happy are those. Boy, that rings a little different. And we, we understand it to, to also mean blessed, but 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 think of it in that. Blessed, happy are those who mourn. What? That seems to be a contradiction in terms, but there isn't any contradiction in scripture. Anyway, well, less of my commentary, more of what I'm trying to read. The poor in spirit are happy. These bring their minds to the condition when it is a low condition. They are humble and lowly in their own eyes. They see their want, bewail their guilt, and thirst after a redeemer. The kingdom of grace is of such. The kingdom of glory is for them. Number two, those that mourn are happy. That godly sorrow which works true repentance, watchfulness, a humble mind, and continual dependence for acceptance on the mercy of God in Christ Jesus, with constant seeking the Holy Spirit, 
to cleanse away the remaining evil seems here to be intended. Heaven is the joy of our Lord, a mountain of joy to which our way is through a veil of tears. Such mourners shall be comforted by their God. The meek are happy. The meek are those who quietly submit to God, who can bear insult, are silent or return a soft answer, who in their patience keep possession of their own souls when they can scarcely keep possession of anything else. These meek ones are happy even in this world. Meekness promotes wealth, comfort, and safety even in this world. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness are happy. Righteousness is here put for all spiritual blessings. These are purchased for us by the righteousness of Christ, confirmed by the, great, confirmed by the faithfulness of God. Our desires of spiritual blessings must be earnest. Though all desires for grace are not grace, yet such a desire as this is a desire of God's own raising, and he will not forsake the work of his own hands. The merciful are happy. We must not only bear our own afflictions patiently, but we must do all we can to help those who are in misery. We must have compassion on the souls of others and help them. Pity those who are in sin and seek to snatch them as brands out of the burning. The pure in heart are happy, for they shall see God. Here, holiness and happiness are fully described and put together. The heart must be purified by faith and kept for God. Create in me such a clean heart, O God, none but the pure are capable of seeing God, nor would heaven be happiness to the impure. As God cannot endure to look on their iniquity, so they cannot look upon his purity. The peacemakers are happy. They love and desire and delight in peace and study to be quiet. They keep the peace that it be not broken and recover it when it is broken. If the peacemakers are blessed, woe to the peacebreakers. Those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake are happy. This saying is peculiar, peculiar to Christianity and it is more largely insisted upon than any of the rest. Yet there is nothing in our sufferings that can merit of God, but God will provide that those who lose for him, though life itself, shall not lose by him in the end. Blessed Jesus, how different are your maxims from those of men in this world. They call the proud happy and, it, and, and admire the, 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 the happy, the, the rich, the powerful, and the victorious. May we find mercy from the Lord. May we be owned as his children and inherit his kingdom. With these enjoyments and hopes, we may cheerfully welcome low or painful circumstances. Wow. You know, when someone says it, uh, when someone says it that well, uh, I, felt, I felt like that, that was a good way to kind of pull it all together. The, 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 these eight descriptions of what a, a, a healthy follower of Christ may expect um, in this life. And so as we, as we focus in on these last two, blessed are the peacemakers and blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Um, let's flesh these last two out a little bit. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Um, 
Who in Scripture is called the Son of God? You're right. Usually questions, questions put out from the podium on a Sunday morning, the answer to which is, is usually Jesus or something like that. But, but yes, Jesus is obviously the Son of God that we see in Scripture. And, and yet he, see, he says here, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now, we do understand, we do understand that um, when we are saved by God's grace through faith in Christ, we are adopted into his family, and so we uh, also become sons and daughters of the Most High, which is really cool. But in particular, as a character trait, being a peacemaker identifies with sons of God. I, I feel like it is, it is poignant to look here at the, the, the most powerful example of a peacemaker that we see in Scripture. Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker. As we as we stand condemned for our sins before a holy God, apart from Christ, we are hopelessly at odds with God. But through, through the, the death, burial, and resurrection, excuse me, through the sacrifice of Jesus, we are reconciled to the Father. An act of peacemaking, never before seen, nor ever again, will be needed. That is the ultimate peacemaking. And so, and so just like, you know, you think of the, 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 the Lord's Prayer, or, or as Pastor Michael likes to call it, the Disciples' Prayer, because um, the Lord Jesus was telling his disciples to pray this way. Um, he says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And Jesus taught uh, very clearly that forgiveness was to be freely given. Um, <clears throat> Jesus tells a parable, and I, I reference this parable, it feels like too often, but it, it, for some reason it is just the, the, of the parables that Jesus put, told during his earthly ministry, it, it just, at least in this season of my life, is just, the most impactful, and it's, it's the parable of the servant who owed his, owed his, I always call it the parable of the choking servant, but the, the parable of the servant who owed his, his master a, a, a just hopeless amount of money that he could never possibly pay back, and his, his master says, you know what, I'm never going to see that money from you anyway, just, just cross it out, forget it, I forgive you of that debt, and then he turns around and goes and chokes out one of his fellow servants because he owes him like a couple hundred bucks. And, and, and that, because that picture, it's so impactful to me because that picture, let me just finish this and set it down. <clears throat> Laz tells me, I've got to quit just carrying my coffee cup around. <laughs> it makes people uncomfortable. Um, that picture of the, 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 the one who has, has received forgiveness and then refuses to also show forgiveness to his fellow man is, is just a... It is a powerful picture of what it's like in our lives when we um, refuse to share forgiveness with those, you know, with our fellow man. 
Um, all right, can one click here? There we are. Um, blessed are the peacemakers. The peacemakers above, uh, above. I don't want to say above all others, but in particular, the peacemakers are displaying a character trait of Jesus that is so unique. One of my one of my favorite managers that, uh, that 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 worked at my dad's company when I worked there. So he was like my dad owned the company, but this guy was my boss. Like let's be clear, and um, you really get special privileges. Um, one of his favorite lines was, "Oh man, he was such a jerk about it." He'd be like, "Hey, um, my wife's got a doctor's appointment, and I need to go with her because like she's not gonna be able to drive home after you know whatever something like that. Um, so I'm gonna need to take off early tomorrow." And he'd look at you and go, don't make your problems my problems. <laughs> it's like, oh man, you just get so mad. And really, he was like, whatever you got to do, what you got to do, but uh, um, don't involve me. Um, but but that, that attitude is not, is not a peacemaking attitude. And we can, we can kind of tend to, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just me, I, I um, it, it, it depends on the person. Some, pe- some people have a uh, uncontrollable urge to get involved in other people's problems. And as, as the uh, I, I believe 17th century writer John Donne said, um, a borrowing of misery. You can kind of just borrow other people's problems and make them your problems and feel all of their feelings. And it's like, whoa, whoa, God didn't give you that, nor did he give you the strength to handle that because you're not the one going through it. You know, you can take it, you can take it too far, uh, but the um, he's not talking about that. He's not talking about sticking your nose in things that, uh, that, that where it doesn't belong. He's talking about where you have the ability to bridge the gap between um, people that need to reconcile. To do that, that can put us in an uncomfortable position sometimes. You know what's a more comfortable position? that we can settle into much easier? Picking a side. Choosing a side and then, you know, being, oh, okay, I'm on, the, I'm on the, you know, the, these, two, these two parties are, uh, are um, at odds with one another and I've heard one side of it and I think, I think I'm on this team now. And, you know, now I've joined this army against the other, you know, whatever, like it's middle school or something. But, but that's not what God calls us to do. God calls us to, as much as we can to be peacemakers. That can mean sticking your neck out to try to bridge the gap between, between people. You see, especially, especially within the church, within the body of Christ, when there's, when there's conflict, there's, there are times when there's conflict that doesn't involve us and doesn't need to involve us. But when there's conflict that is not resolving itself, and we find ourselves in a unique position to be able to speak to both sides and, and, and help in some way, that we have, to some extent, a responsibility to do so, particularly within the body of Christ. We ought to, um, as the family of God, we ought to have a a picture of unity that is unique in this world. Yeah, so one, one of our values, we journey together. Spiritual growth, it happens best in community. God brings us into his family so that nobody has to face anything alone. 
And there's nothing more alienating than conflict. Some of you uh, have experienced, I, I would wager to say everyone has experienced that. Um, certainly everyone over the age of like 15. Um, and some of you are going through that right now, and it's very difficult, and it's alienating, and it's isolating, and uh, especially when everyone else is picking a side. What do you do? Blessed are the peacemakers. You know, if you're in that position, it is easy to lash out. If you, if you, if you are one of the parties in conflict, it's easy to, easy to lash out. It's easy to uh, push people away. And I just pray that, you know, by God's grace, we, we might be able to identify those that are seeking to help make peace and to, and to show grace to them. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called sons of God. Um, let's pull the camera back a little bit from specific circumstances and, and, and put it this way. Biblically, we can absolutely say this. It is our job, those of us who are who, who are believers in Jesus Christ, it is our job to, as much as we can, bridge that gap between those who have not yet believed and the God who will punish their sin if it is not forgiven. You see, we have, we as believers have something that the unbelieving world does not have peace with God. And, and because we know the gospel, we have the ability to bring that peace within their grasp. Little do they know, it is always within their grasp. By grace, through faith, in Christ we are forgiven. But how can they believe if they have not heard? And how will they hear unless someone preaches. That doesn't, you, you realize you can preach the gospel without being a pastor, right? You, there, there's not, there's not some, some ordination process in class you have to go through in order to share the gospel with the person you work next to, with the person that lives across the street from you, with the person that you strike up a conversation with at the park or, or what have you. That is a calling that we all have. It, it, that's why, you know, I, I don't, know, I don't know who painted it on the walls a long time ago. That's why, that's, that's why the Bible has that verse in it that we see you over the door as you, as you exit. Go ye into all the world. Preach the gospel. Or, or it could be translated as you are going into all the world. That doesn't mean just the missionaries that we send out. That means all of us as we go about our daily lives and we interact with unbelievers, preach the gospel. Yes, through your life, but also through your words. Be a peacemaker. Be someone who is proclaiming the way to have peace with God. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called sons of God. You see, the first peacemaker, Jesus, did all the work. All we have to do is talk about it. We don't actually have to do it because we can't. There's nothing we can do to reconcile ourselves or anyone else to God. Jesus did all of the work. All we must do is believe by grace through faith. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he goes on to kind of ex- ex- kind of expound on that last one. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, other utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. You know who one of the first one of the first people to experience that was? Any guesses? People uttering all kinds of evil falsely against them on Jesus' account? Nope, before them. Before the disciples. I'll give you a hint. We read, uh, we read something that she said. Mary. We, we, we spend time, you know, sometimes when, when we, especially around the Christmas season, you know, we talk about the implications of a, a virgin birth. Who believed Mary? Joseph? Her cousin Elizabeth? That's probably it. That's about it. Maybe Zechariah that they met at the temple way later. Think of the especially in that, in that honor and shame culture that she grew up in. Think of the things she endured in the public square. Think of the things she endured at the synagogue, at the well. At the, think of every place she would go outside of her home in her everyday life, pregnant and not married, and swears she didn't do what everybody thinks they did. Think of the kinds of evil that were uttered against her falsely on Jesus' account. Blessed are you. Certainly the disciples later on. (laughs) This is very poignant that the disciples were here to hear this message because that was going to be their lot. I believe all except John uh, you know, the tr- tradition, and we don't have this in Scripture, but tradition tells us that all except John died a martyr's death. All except John were, now don't get me wrong, they saw incredible ministry as God blessed them as they, as they went into all the world and preached the gospel and started churches and discipled people who then discipled people who then, if you follow that long enough, discipled you and me and preached the gospel to us, and brought us, helped bring us to Christ. But they were reviled. They were persecuted. All kinds of evil uttered against them falsely. Often at these trials, at, at, at these trials for, um, for many of the martyrs, in order to make sure it was a slam-dunk case, they would, they, you know, the, the, the prosecution would pile on all kinds of false witnesses, to make up stuff so it was just, yeah, off with his head, crucify him. Okay, upside down if he wants, that's fine. What have you. Blessed are you. Or in the older translation, happy are you. Well, wait a minute. That's not how that feels, is it? I don't know if you've ever been in a position where you've talked about your faith and then been ridiculed for it. If you grew up in Christian circles, 
that was a shock, I imagine. I grew up in church, grew up in Christian school, and I, I remember one of, the, one of the first times, you know, sharing what it meant that I was a, a Christian and a believer and, uh, you know, pursuing ministry with someone that I worked with and looking, then looking me right in the face and, and telling me, yeah, I heard all that stuff. I, I, it, I just think it's, I looked me right in the face and said, yeah, that's great for you, but I just think religion is a crutch for weak people. week. And you know what the kicker was? Still had to work closely together every day. It's okay. We still had lots more spiritual conversations. <laughs> I would purposely, purposely bait conversations to get into spiritual things. Um, but I remember that being quite a shock. To be kind of reviled and, and treated, treated like I was probably inferior in some way that I thought I needed this in my life. The Bible says, blessed are you, when that happens. I, I want to I turn quickly to a, uh, a couple of passages. Um, first, to the book of Acts. We just call it Acts, but if, uh, you've got, um, if you've got subheadings, it says the Acts of the Apostles. In other words, after all that Jesus ministry stuff we read in the Gospels, what did the disciples do? Well, the book of Acts um, records what some of them did. And we see in, uh, in chapter, chapter 4, we see, a, oh, no, 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 oh, it's chapter, sorry, I get mixed up here. It is uh, chapter 5, the end of chapter 5. Uh, this is the second time Peter and John have gotten arrested for preaching in the temple. The Pharisees are pretty fed up with them at this point. Um, this is also one of my favorite passages. We don't have time to get into it this morning, but Gamaliel, which is my favorite Pharisee of them all. Um, yes, there were a couple of good eggs in that batch, and Gamaliel was one of the wise ones. Said, "Gentlemen, be careful, for if this plan is, or, or this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them, and you might even be found opposing God." Woo! There's wisdom from a Pharisee right there. Uh, but uh, so they took this is at the end of the chapter. So they took his advice, verse 40. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Read this. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. If you, if you, if you turn quick, you don't have to turn there, but uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 in verse... Um, this is 2 Corinthians. Did I write the wrong one down? I apologize. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse, uh, starting in verse 16, Paul writes to the church at Corinth, so we do not lose heart, though our outer nature is wasting away. Our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight, momentary affliction. And by that, he's referring to imprisonment and beatings. This slight, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight 
of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. That's perspective. That's what he's talking about. He says, blessed are you when you find yourself in these positions where you've stuck your neck out for Jesus and are utterly rejected. See, we think blessed are you when you share the gospel with someone and they come to Christ. Wow, I did something great for God's kingdom today. Sort of. It's actually the exact same as the time that you, you preach the gospel and they say, go fly a kite. Because the work that you did for the kingdom is the same in both of those scenarios. You don't save people. Jesus Christ saves people. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God moves in people's heart and draws them and opens their eyes, peels the scales off their eyes so they can see the truth of the gospel. And that is when they are saved. We're not called to save people. We're called to be faithful to go as we are going, preach the gospel. Blessed are you. When we can celebrate with someone that comes to Christ, there is no greater joy that we can experience. Oh, if you've ever had the privilege of leading one of your own children to Christ, you will never do anything more important in this life than that, ever. It is your highest calling on this earth. For this brief time that we are alive, your highest calling, if God has blessed you with children, it is to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I'm so thankful for a mother and a father that did that in my life. And I'm so thankful that my children's mother is faithful in that, even on days that I'm not. All we are called to do is be faithful. Jesus did all the work. Praise God he did all the work, because if we could do any of the work, guarantee we'd mess it up. How do I know that? In the garden, there was one rule, and we messed it up. If we have only one instruction, we'll mess it up. Praise God, he did all the work. Blessed are you. Counted worthy to suffer for the name. Oh, do you count it a privilege? Do you count it a privilege when God has given you the opportunity to share in the sufferings of Christ? Oh, we pray for the persecuted church, but in doing so, we often pray that we will not experience what they are experiencing. But it is producing for them an eternal weight of glory. Oh, absolutely, we should celebrate things like the, the you know, over, you know, like the, the Supreme Court. You know, if if in fact they they follow through with what it looks like and overturning this this awful decision that is killed so many millions of innocent lives. Yes, we should celebrate those things, but no one comes to Christ because we forced them into a, Christ, a, a, a system of laws and 
rules and regulations that make them look like Christians or act like Christians. You cannot force, you cannot legislate righteousness. That can only happen by grace through faith, through the preaching and hearing and believing of the gospel. Let's not confuse those things. Absolutely champion the cause of defending the unborn. Champion the cause of, of our, our freedom to worship. But understand that when that is taken away from us, blessed are we. Blessed are we. We serve the King. You pray with me. Heavenly Father, the cost of following you is high. It is not too high. Because all the rewards of following you are so great. The reward of getting to play even a small part in one of these young ones coming to faith in Christ. It's all worth it. Oh God, I pray for the parents, specifically today for the mothers in our church and in the church at large across our community and across our country, across the world. Oh God, we can't. It is not within us to change the world. Only you can do that. But God, what an impact we can have in the lives of our own children. Oh God, give us faithfulness. God, of all the things we can mess up, help us not to mess that one up. You have given us an incredible gift to steward in the souls of our children. But they belong to you. May we steward them well. In Jesus' name, amen.